Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about environmental health and your pregnancy and your babies. And we have Dr. Ailey Cohen to have this conversation. Dr. Cohen is a board certified rheumatologist and integrative medicine specialist, as well as an environmental health expert. We dive into everything you want to know about endocrine disrupting chemicals. What are those? Where are they? How can we avoid them? What is environmental health? And how does all this impact your pregnancy as well as your children. She gives some really great tips about things to avoid and ways to make quick, easy changes. Before we get to that conversation, I just want to say a little shout out to Kelly in Cape Cod. She wrote in Instagram, a COVID silver lining. The fact that she can take prenatal yoga classes and birthing education classes from an amazing yoga studio in New York City, Prenatal Yoga Center, from her living room. She tagged us in that comment, and it means so much to me to know that our community is continuously expanding and that we're showing up and helping people. People are still getting pregnant. People are still having babies. So it's so important to us that we continue to offer our services and invite people into our community. So thank you, Kelly, for tagging me on that and for joining our community and for being part of our classes. So as Kelly pointed out, we have prenatal yoga classes and birthing classes. So our pretty much our full schedule has shifted online. So check that out. We've got live classes. We've got re-release classes just in case our live classes don't fit with your schedule, which it likely won't because we have people from all over the world taking class. So you can watch it on your own timetable. And if you do pop in and you heard about our classes from the webs, from the podcast, make sure you give me a quick hello. I just want to say hi and thank you for joining us. What else is going on? Um, our teacher training's doing really well. We started our September training. We're already jumping into our late fall. We're getting people for the January, February. I just want to share this really quick little story. I had a conversation with a new upcoming teacher trainee. She's in our late fall and she's a labor and delivery nurse and she's out in LA. And she told me she has been keeping an eye on the training for a couple years, but because she lives in LA, and our training is two intensive weekends, it's a huge expense for a lot of people to fly to New York, stay in New York for two long weekends. And when she saw that we were doing it online, she jumped at this. And it's so exciting. First of all, she sounds, we had a great conversation. She sounds like an amazing person. I'm really looking forward to working with her. But the fact that we're able to take our training online, it means we can work with people from all different communities all over the world. We have someone joining our November, December one who's in Switzerland. So it's just, it's so exciting just to see how things are expanding. 
So I just want to say thank you for everyone that continues to be part of our community. And also, I'm going to ask one more thing of you. If you haven't already, please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to this from because it helps people find us. Okay, I've talked long enough. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Cohen. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, Ailey. How are you? I am well, thank you. I am really excited to speak with you. I love the idea of talking about environmental health and pregnancy. And I know a lot of parents, when they have babies, they put a lot of thought into what's in their house, what kind of bottles to use, and it can be confusing and overwhelming. So I'm really glad that I have you for a little bit to pick at your brain. Oh, well, listen, I'm happy to be here and and help share some really good information. Great. So let's get started with a little bit about you and what led you down to your environmental health path. And I I read there was a story about your dog that had something to do with this. Truxton, is that right? He was my firstborn. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a huge animal lover. And, uh, and really, so this was really serendipitous how I ended up getting into environmental health. I was already a practicing physician as a rheumatologist and I still am. And I was in the midst of training for integrative medicine. And I actually, uh, you know, one day our dog became really sick um, and we thought he had swallowed a sock. Um, I had two young children at the time. I was, you know, overworked and underappreciated as as most of us are. And we took the dog to the vet and found out actually that he was really sick and that he had actually been diagnosed with uh, autoimmune hepatitis which is an autoimmune disease where the body directs its immune fighting cells towards the liver. And this is an incredibly rare diagnosis, not just for humans, uh, but really for even animals and dogs particularly, and even golden retrievers um, even more in particularly. So, um, you know, this was kind of shocking to me. And uh, he only had about six months more or less that we we nursed him through a lot of uh, human medications. But while I was exploring what may have made him sick, um, and I really was worried about the food being contaminated that he was eating, the drinking water. Uh, you know, we live on a farm in central New Jersey, so we have lots of pesticides um, being sprayed, including in our backyard. You know, it is the garden state. Um, and I was worried about those as well as flea and tick chemicals. I was worried about the toy that he always had in his mouth, the red plastic toy. And the more I looked into his uh, potential risks for, for making him sick, the more I un- unveiled a whole bunch of information about how unregulated the chemicals are for humans in the United States in terms of the stuff we love and sort of in terms of our products and our food uh, and even our drinking water. So uh, it was a real shocking, sad, uh, you know, heartbreaking experience, but I really don't think I'd be here today if it was not for uh, that time period and, and the illness of my dog. And so um, you know, I dedicate a lot of what I do to that that dog, and uh, and hopefully, having been through it now eight years, nine years of learning, that not only can I share with people as I do in the book, non toxic, uh, that just came out, but I share the problems. Uh, as well as the solutions. And that's really what I like to focus on is what are the solutions to help reduce environmental exposure so that we can all be healthier and prevent, you know, long-term illness. 
Well, let's dive into some of that. So I'm using the term environmental health, but can you define what that is and and why it's important for us? Yeah. So environmental health was something that I had never heard about, actually, even as a physician that was practicing. I'd never heard about it in medical school or in college or even in high school biology. Um, And environmental health has become a term which uh, I guess is now necessary because it's really how our environment affects human health. And so I've expanded beyond just the concept of chemicals, which certainly is what the book is entitled. But in the book, we also talk about, you know, other types of exposures that cause human health uh, concerns, such as stress, such as poor sleep, which we know is incredibly important to the immune system and a variety of other systems in the human body, uh, noise pollution. Um, I have a whole chapter on uh, with my co-author on medications just to discuss, not saying, you know, all medications are terrible. It's just to say, really, you know, um, you know, we should be thinking about them not just as benign necessarily, uh, you know, entities, but to really think about why we're on them, how long we're on them, if they're solving uh, the problems they were started for. Um, and of course, I use medicines all the time. I'm a rheumatologist, so my patients would um, would be quite ill without many of our Western medications. So um, it's just just a, a way of looking at exposures to the human body um, from as many aspects as we can think of, um, for, in as many roots as we can think of, through food, through water, through, you know, obviously ingestion, but also what we put on our skin, what we put on our children's skin, what our air pollution or air quality is like in our home as well as outside our home, and even EMF radiation, uh, you know, from all our tech toys and how to actually use them very safely. And we have a whole chapter on that as well. That's actually, I'm looking forward to reading that. It's something that in our family, I'm a little bit of a nut about not being in front of the iPad too much, not having it on your body. We're really, I think sometimes I take it a little too far, but we, we, I'm really mindful about, about that. My son thinks I'm a, a nut about that. Let's jump into, yeah. I read one of your articles and you talked about endocrine disrupting chemicals. And I thought that was really fascinating and how it interferes with normal functions of hormones, especially because my community is, you know, pregnant or trying to get pregnant or a new parent and hormones are important. So I guess this is a bit of a multifaceted question. Yeah. So, so the first thing is, let's talk about what endocrine disrupting chemicals are, and then we can talk about how it affects pregnancy and breastfeeding, where these chemicals are found, and we'll kind of roll from there. Okay, sure. So, you know, of course, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but there's a little bit of scariness in this conversation, which is really why it's great for people to hear it, because when we know better, we do better. So, um, you know, let's start with, you know, sort of endocrine or I should say chemicals 101, right? Um, we have in this country, in the United States, over 90,000 industrial chemicals. Uh, I say industrial, meaning these are chemicals that are created by man-made, you know, labs or woman-made labs, and they are in in uh, many or most of the products that we love, whether it is um, food chemicals that we add to processed foods, whether it's contaminants in drinking water, which we we don't want actually that get in there by accident um, through a variety of different ways, whether those chemicals are in the personal care products that we love, shampoo, conditioner, body spray, um, whether they're in the cleaners that we use, such as, you know, surface cleaners and window cleaners and carpet powders and fabric softeners, uh, air fresheners, incense, candles, um, 
And then we have a set of chemicals that we put on our couches to make them uh, perhaps, you know, water repellent, stain guard. Uh, we have bug sprays, pesticides, lawn chemicals. So as the, you know, as you can tell, there's a lot of different products we have, we use regularly, um, and about 90,000 chemicals um, have been created to, to be put into those products. What most people don't realize um, in the United States is that the majority of probably 99 to 95% maybe of those chemicals have never been tested for safety or toxicity. That is crazy. Um, and that's pre- <laughs> yes. I mean, it is a crazy, it's it's crazy. And it was the kind of thing back eight years ago, nine years ago, when it was about 75,000 chemicals at the time. Uh, I looked around at my empty kitchen while, you know, everyone was at school or work. And I, I thought to myself, is this real? I mean, I was talking to my cat. Is this real? Is this for real? Um and really, at the time, I was shocked, but I didn't know if it was real. So I had to keep working to understand it, reach out to Environmental Working Group, which many of you know your listeners might know of, uh, which is a group that actually helps to vet out chemicals in our products. Yeah, there's an um, app that said, you can use, too. I love, yeah. I love that app. We can talk about yes. that later, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're Healthy Living app. And of course, their website is ewg.org. But at the time, they were kind of the only group I knew available to kind of you know get information um, for some of the community talks that I was giving because I was just so fascinated by what I was learning. I had to share it. Um, And what happened is we we partnered together to to do a lot of programs. But back to the topic of chemicals, you know, we have over 90,000. Most have not been tested for, you know, safety or toxicity, but particularly in certain populations, which we have to be concerned with, you know, young children, who have much uh, more uh, underdeveloped detoxification processes through their body, hasn't developed quite yet the ability to do that. Um, We also have pregnant women where, of course, we know that many of these chemicals, uh, believe it or not, and again, I don't want to freak anyone out too much, but the placenta doesn't really do a great job of protecting uh, a growing fetus from, uh, I would say, many of the chemicals, if not most of the chemicals. Of course, we don't know if many of the chemicals cross over because, um, in fact, you know, those tests have to be done by third party um, university uh, investigators uh, internationally and nationally. So um, it puts the burden on our academic facilities to and researchers to find these answers when, in fact, it should really be on the manufacturing to make sure that these chemicals are safe before they go into the products that we, you know, lather on our skin and everything. So, um, you know, these chemicals, these the 90,000, can be subdivided in lots of ways. But what was found about 20 years ago, more or less, was a group of chemicals within this group called endocrine-disrupting chemicals. And the reason they're called that is because they have this uh, crazy ability to mimic human hormones, either to block them or to create more, more of that hormone. So that's why it's called disruptors, um, because we're, some of them increase those hormones. Some of them decrease the hormone levels. Some, some of them de- uh, block the receptor where these hormones as signalers are supposed to attach. And so they're called endocrine disruptors as sort of a general heading. But what was found is that many of them also um, are estrogenic. So for instance, bisphenol A or BPA, uh, which is sort of the poster child of endocrine disruptors, was actually taken out of baby bottles uh, that were plastic in 2012, uh, actually uh, due in part, I should say a big part, uh, by the re- my co-author, Frederick Bomsal, who is largely responsible for that research um, and helped get that out of the market. But 
BPA is still in quite a bit of products in our lives, particularly canned foods, for instance, and canned drinks. Uh, it lines those uh, containers because uh, it's a plastic lining. So, you know, endocrine disruptors have this crazy ability to affect hormones. Hormones are signalers in the human body. And, uh, you know, hormones control everything from fertility uh, to uh, growth and development during pregnancy uh, of a fetus, um, also, of course, of a woman's body in terms of breast development, but also during puberty and menopause. We have all of the female and male hormones that are at work. We also have hormones like insulin, uh, which controls blood glucose and can affect, you know, uh, you know, how we manage glucose and whether we develop diabetes, prediabetes, or even gestational diabetes. Um, we have hormones that affect our thyroid, which is really important to um, growth and development of our actually of the baby. So uh, we want to manage that properly and sort of and sort of know about that as well. We have hormones that manage bone growth um, and strength in terms of osteoporosis. And we have hormones that affect fat cells and potentially obesity or, or becoming more overweight um, and make those cells grow larger, fat cells. So as we can see, hormones are really key to human health and existence and physiology. And these chemicals, in short, are able to disrupt um, many of those chemicals in very low dose and over time with exposure. Do you think that's why kids are now, and I haven't read any data on this, it's more just conversation I've heard as a parent, kids are going through puberty earlier? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, and so, yes, actually, there's incredible amounts of data, uh, robust data internationally through the World Health Organization, through the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, through the Endocrine Society, through the American Academy of Reproductive Medicine, obstetricians and gynecologists, uh, which is ACOG. So all of these Western uh, medical groups that are international bodies have also confirmed as well that these chemicals can, in fact, change uh, puberty times when adolescents will go through um, pubertal change and also when women will start a menarche or the, or the onset of their periods. Um, you know, several uh, centuries ago, um, we had periods that started, girls would start menstruating at age 16 or 17. And now we're seeing young girls actually go into uh, puberty and start having their periods as young as eight and nine, mm. especially among African-American populations. Um, and the reason is is really tied to um, a lot of the environmental exposures, particularly at young ages and particularly in personal care products um, that contain estrogenic chemicals, particularly the African-American population of hair products, believe it or not. So um, we really need to kind of consider uh, exposures, particularly in utero, in pregnancy, but also pre-pregnancy and also as young children and even in the puber in the, in the uh, adolescent age group. Does this pass through breastfeeding? Does it, do the hormones, do the disrupting hormones pass through with someone's breastfeeding? So there are many chemicals that transfer into breast milk. Yes. Um, I'll give an example, triclosan, which is a, uh, a antibacterial, uh, chemical that's basically an antibiotic. It's actually listed as a pesticide um, under U.S. registry. Um, that was in um, hand soap, hand soap that you could squeeze out and it would say antibacterial. And of course, I don't want to share brands, but it was taken out of hand soap, liquid hand soap um, in 2016 because of its ability to uh, as an endocrine disruptor, but because it was also so pervasive and able to get in not just our bloodstream and our urine, but in breast milk. And in fact, after one shower, 
with uh, one study showed after one shower with uh, triclosan in the body lotion or soap, uh, it was found within minutes in the bloodstream and breast milk and urine. So um, we can see that some of these chemicals have the ability, maybe somewhat, maybe more than others, but certainly have the capability of getting into our body, which certainly transfers into uh, breast milk often. Now, the question really is, which I, I know you're about to ask is, <laughs> is it so bad that we shouldn't breastfeed? And the answer, no, breastfeeding is wonderful and really healthful. Um, the trick is really to make your body as clean as possible. It's not to stop breastfeeding necessarily because it is so full of healthful antibodies and immune system cells and really just gets a child uh, on the right track in terms of the gut microbiome benefits um, it's just remarkably healthy. What we want to do, I think, uh, healthcare practitioners and certainly, you know, in my world and uh, what I like to teach is that, you know, we want to work upstream and try to remove those chemicals from mom and dad uh, and also in and around, you know, children's environments and what they use in terms of products, but don't give up on the most basic, beautiful, healthy uh, behavior such as breastfeeding. So let's talk about how someone can start to avoid. So we know that these, um, these endocrine disrupting chemicals are not good and they're prevalent in so many places. Can we start to dive into, are there certain foods to avoid that are more heavily pesticide than others? Personal, you talked about personal care products. We can then start to also talk about, you know, the whole, you mentioned that in 2012, bottles didn't have this in the BPA, but should, let's talk about sippy cups and thermoses and bowls and glass or stainless steel. So someone might be listening to this thinking, okay, I'm ready to make that big cleanse of body and house, where do they start? Yeah, this is a great question. And so I want to start with low hanging fruit. That's always, you know, the book was designed, I, you know, and the way I post on the smart human, which is my platform in terms of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram posts, um, is that I want to keep it simple. And I want to keep people thinking, uh, that this is not going to be too costly. This is not cost prohibitive, but it's also not effort prohibitive in, in the sense that the number one thing I try to get people to think about is the less is more approach. If you buy fewer products, especially cleaning products, which are just so pervasive and so marketed, um, you will have less chemicals bought, brought into your home that will eventually could make their way into all of our bodies and our pets' bodies. And so what you want to avoid is anything that, you know, uh, cleaners for windows and doorknobs and all the carpet powders. And, you know, it, so much of it is, is the uh, stuff we do to ourselves in a way. Um, and so you can make your own products, which of course really doesn't take much but a couple ingredients. We actually give do-it-yourself recipes for cleaning products in the book. Um, but you could also research, you know, the safest products you can buy at a big box store um, that are least toxic um, to most toxic. You can search that out. Um, and so we wanted options for everybody. Now, that's one way to do it, and you can certainly uh, – it's cheaper because you're buying less products. Another thing to think about, protect, particularly with children, if you have young children even on the floor kind of playing in, on and carpeting and uh, in environments like that is really keep that environment dust-free. Dust has been shown, house dust – 
has been shown to be particularly filled with chemicals. Um, and they come off from our products, not just cleaning products that we use on surfaces, but also couches that may have flame retardant chemicals. Um, you know, chemicals from our um, cables and wires actually have chemicals. Um, we know that there are, are plastic chemicals that make their way into the flooring, uh, into the dust. And so just simply using water and paper towel, not any chemical cleaners to scoop up dust can remove um, quite a bit of chemicals uh, in your environment, vacuuming with a HEPA filter um, once or twice a week, uh, opening windows um, and circulating air to get rid of what are called volatile organic compounds that float around in the air from some of our products. Um, assuming the outside air is actually cleaner than your indoor air, you want to do that. Um, but yeah, there's a whole host of, of ways that are just really not costly, but actually are more about avoidance, not buying it. Uh, rather than putting in too much money. And, you know, if you want to switch out, you know, some key, uh, you know, pro uh, um, products that are really important in your home, you may want to switch out nonstick pans to stainless steel. You may switch out glass, uh, a, a plastic Tupperware to glass and stainless steel, because again, those materials, glass and stainless steel are much harder. They don't break down. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Tupperware, if you buy, you know, fresh Tupperware, it's see-through. And when you put it in uh, the dishwasher to clean it, it gets hot. And by the time you had your first, second, or even third wash, you can start to see that it's opaque. You can't see through it anymore. And that's an example of how plastics are so soft and squishy that the materials within them can come out as well if you're starting to see those changes with just high heat. Um, so I recommend really switching out a lot of cookware, glassware, storage. And if you have kids, you know, my kids are a little older now, but we used a lot of stainless steel um, cups and plates um, you know, because things would end up falling on the ground, of course. And so you want to have a material, not so much glass, but something that would actually um, sustain a nice toss against the wall. So um, I encourage people to think about that with American-made stainless steel. That's great. And what about, um, are there certain foods that are tend, if they, if, so a lot of, I guess, let me back up my thoughts here. Organic foods, yes or no. Are there certain foods if you can't get organic that, I know there's like a list and I can't remember what it was, but there was like a list of like the worst foods yep. to get if not organic. Sure. Can you run through some of that? Yeah, of course. And we give that list. It's called the Dirty Dozen Clean 15. It's from Environmental Working Group, which I mentioned quite a bit because they're a wonderful organization. Um, and so basically your question is, you know, look, should we really try to um, look for cleaner foods, avoid processed foods, which are typically in packages, as opposed to fresh, clean produce that, you know, basically doesn't need packaging, right? Um, yes, we really want to think about, you know, in terms of where chemicals are, they're in processed foods mostly. Um, and then, of course, on produce, there are usually the pesticides that are in or on the produce uh, because of how it's grown. Organic is perhaps USDA organic is the only uh, criteria in the United States that actually has any teeth, meaning it's the only thing that actually has criteria for not being genetically modified, uh, for not having a majority of the food chemicals that are allowable in all the other products. Um, and so if you do choose to do USDA organic, I certainly agree with that. I think that's a wonderful way to go if you can afford it, if you have access to it. Now, another way to get around the cost, perhaps, of even maybe higher costs for organic is to think about what's in season. 
buy seasonally organic produce because that often makes it cheaper um, to consider frozen organic produce, which can be fruits and vegetables. Um, and often you just have to transfer that USDA frozen produce uh, into a glass or stainless steel container to heat it up. You don't want to heat up anything in plastic. Um, but that cuts the cost down quite a bit and also maintains all of its nutrient value because most flash frozen produce is done uh, where it's it's actually pulled out of the ground and frozen immediately. They call it flash frozen. So it maintains all of its nutrient value. So it's actually quite good uh, and healthy as opposed to even sometimes fresh organics, which travel quite a distance to get to the supermarket. Um, but the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 is actually a list that's um, written up every year by EWG. They survey food from across the country that's not organic. And uh, what they do is they check for the residues, the pesticides, pesticide residues on uh, various produce, which is fruit and vegetables. And they come up with a list of the produce that has the most pesticide residues, which are the dirty dozen, and then the uh, list of produce that they've discovered on average nationally to have the least pesticide residues on their surface, and that is the Clean 15. And so if you don't have access to organics or you just want to work off that list and, and save money, if that's necessary, of course, you know, the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 is updated every year. And of course, we have that list in the book as well under the food chapter. I'm going to ask you to give us a few of those, but first we're going to take a super quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so I know you don't want to probably give all of them because there's 15 and there's 12. But if you can highlight, if someone was heading at the market, they're they're there right now. They've got they're listening to the 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 podcast, and they're about to get get some fruit and vegetables. Is there something that they should absolutely avoid if it's not organic? So it took me a second. I found it in my book because I didn't memorize it. It changes <laughs> up slightly every year. So on page 96, um, we have the EWG 2020 Shopper's Guides Guide to Pesticides and Produce. And listen, every year, I have to say, every year, uh, the winner is always uh, strawberries and or apples. And this year, of course, strawberries made the list. They have the most pesticides on them, which is really sad. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, oh no, I just gave my kid a bowl of strawberries this morning. Uh, but really it's true. You know, it's the, it's the fruits with the skins that you have to be most careful of, uh, you know, the soft skin, like peach and strawberries and berries. 
Um, but this year, the strawberries was number one, and spinach was number two, and kale was number three. Ugh. Apples was number five. So, you know, it changes up every year, but it tends to be, as I said, mostly the fruits that don't have a thick skin, like, um, you know, such as, uh, you know, um, like, kiwi has a little bit of a skin, and we have pineapple. Watermelon, um, like the Watermelon, thick ones. Yeah. exactly. So there is some protection there. Um but of course, it's not a perfect system. Um, but the clean 15, number one is avocados. Number two is sweet corn. And number three is pineapples. And so, you know, you have a whole list here. But, you know, the idea is that if you worked off that list, you wouldn't be in such bad shape technically with all those residues, uh, residue exposures. Um, and so it's a really helpful list. It's just a guide. Oh, I'm thinking we just went apple picking two weeks ago. And we still have like two big bags of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, and I always wash them, but I'm like, yeah, do I have to scrub them more? Do I just get rid of them? Like, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, there are some interesting studies showing that if you do, uh, you know, say, say you don't have access to produce that is organic and you really just want to take conventional, which is not organic produce, you can wash it with, or I should say, soak it in a bowl of clean water with baking soda or clean water with one part white vinegar to three parts warm water. Um, and you can get off a quite a bit of uh, residues from these produce. So um, I would say to people, you know, listen, get what you need, get what you love. And certainly whole foods are better than processed foods. Um, but be have a big container of white vinegar next to your sink and be able to use that pretty, pretty reasonably because it's super cheap. And, uh, and it's a great way to rinse off, or I should say soak, not rinse, because you really want it to soak off some of that residue. The water looks remarkably disgusting and, uh, and you'll feel much much better when you actually eat that produce that you've done quite a quite a job on it. And you can bet that right after our podcast, I'll be going downstairs, grabbing <laughs> those last two bags of apples and doing a deep soak. We actually use um, vinegar for a lot of cleaning in our house too. But you oh, also... Yeah. Vinegar goes a long way. Absolutely. It does. It's a great investment. Yeah, it's cheap and you mix it with some water and there you go. It's clean in the house. But you talked also about personal care products. And I know it's one of the things I do indulge in. I don't wear a lot of makeup, but I do love a lot of face products and body products. Can you talk about how to know which ones to use? Yeah, I mean, I, I want people to understand that you don't have to give up uh, your, your favorite, you know, give up, I should say, wearing makeup or give up having your nails and give up, you know, all the things you love. I mean, I color my hair. So, you know, we're all in this journey together. Um, but what I would say is, is that once you change out your personal care products to safer versions, that you can really dramatically um, decrease the body burden, the exposure level, essentially, of many of the harmful chemicals that are in personal products that have absolutely no vetting for safety. And I'll give you an example. Um, there was a wonderful study called the Hermosa study that um, had 100 Latina women from across the country. Uh, they switched out their personal care products, you know, shampoo, conditioner, um, deodorant for safer versions over a three-day period. And they measured their urine levels of a lot of the chemicals and they dropped dramatically. And so it's just another great example of how behavioral changes, lifestyle choices can actually reduce those exposures. Now, will it prevent disease per se? No one can say that because, of course, you know, whether you develop illness or not is certainly this dance between lifestyle exposures and genetics. But it's something we can control. And that's really the empowering message I want to give to people 
that when they change those uh, products out, perhaps to change to safer versions, reduce the amount, get all these chemicals out that are unnecessary, that your body actually absorbs fewer of them. I think this is a great place for me to ask you to talk about the app, the EWG app, because when I know when I'm looking at products, I pull it up and it has this little scanner you can use to to scan the barcode and then it tells you, you know, yes or no, it gives you like red, yellow, green. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's kind of my go-to if I'm looking at a new product. Yeah, it's a wonderful database. It is has been building for many years now. And so I think there are upwards of 80,000, maybe maybe even 90,000 products. Um, but if they don't, you can't always find everything because there's just the, it's a billion dollar industry, the beauty industry. So looking for a specific product doesn't always happen. But you start with a big search, you know, like a brand such as Revlon or Pantene or, you know, Burt's Bees or, you know, whatever, uh, John Masters, something of that sort. And you can start to narrow down with in the search if they have your exact nail polish or if they have your particular conditioner. Um, But what it is, is Healthy Living is the app that is part of EWG.org, which is their uh, nonprofit. It's a consumer advocacy group. Um, And they have come up with some wonderful databases for cleaning products, for personal care products. Uh, The website for personal care is called EWG.org slash skin deep. Uh, one word, skin deep altogether. And, um, and they are just a really recognized, wonderful group to be able to look up products and, and choose whether or not they're, you know, toxic or non-toxic. I actually do this. I teach high school. I teach, um, college, um, classes and, and students. And I will bring a whole bag of, um, personal care products and body sprays and tampons. And I'll toss them, you know, tampons to the jocks. Then the girls get the boys body sprays and everyone giggles. And then we actually download the app and we go through all of it. And I have them tell me what's in their products and what is the toxicity level and what they think they should avoid. And then they look up alternatives. So it's a wonderful tool uh, to teach your teenagers uh, and and any of your contacts that, you know, really want to have control over the the choices of, of products they put on their body. Yeah, especially I know when my first was a little, little being, I was so mindful about what I put on his skin. I went pretty much straight with shea butter. That was kind of our our go-to. So let's talk a little bit about kids and let's stick to toys. Again, I tend to, especially more with my first and my second, I was a research nut. I was like wooden toys, only organic, non-toxic paint. So I spent some time researching. Can you talk a little bit about that world? Because then plastics just keep showing up. (laughs) We keep finding product like gifts and from friends and families. Can you talk about that whole world of toys? Yeah, I think the biggest issue with toys is, first of all, there's just so many of them. But in the United States, they've gotten rid of some of the um, more toxic phthalates, which are the types of uh, plastics uh, as a group that are under endocrine disruption uh, chemicals, but really are in a lot of our plastic toys. In the United States, there was at least a fortunate change in the market where, you know, I should say in the legislation where they did knock out a bunch of harmful phthalates that were known endocrine disruptors from toys. I think it was in 2008, I want to say. 
2009, somewhere around that time period. And so, um, you know, toys made in the U.S. nowadays that are not hand-me-downs, which is a real problem because, of course, people hand down, uh, you know, toys over many different uh, years. And it may be before they took out those chemicals that were harmful or at least banned them from new manufacturing in the United States. But many of our toys come from overseas. And that's a real problem because we don't have as much regulation of toys that come from overseas. Um, and so, you know, one of the things to think about with toys is to either get them made in the USA, which again requires that they don't have certain chemicals that are pretty harmful in the plastic components. Um, and then also, you know, consider really, uh, you know, wood toys that are made by vetted manufacturers, because of course, wood can be treated with chemicals too. Um, just because it's made of wood doesn't mean it doesn't have a shellac that's harmful um, or parts and pieces that um, have chemical components. Um, but I think it's a matter of there's no great uh, website for this other than uh, Safer Made is actually kind of a, a good uh, website. Now that I think about it, it's actually in our book, Safer Made. Um, that would be some place that you might be able to find really um, reasonable toys that are non-toxic. Um, another place actually is Mind the Store, which is another way to to look at big box stores and whether or not they have um, toxic products. And it rates those stores based on their uh, their products, actually, in terms of whether or not they're doing a good job of vetting for their stores. Um, but in general, toys, you want to keep to the less is more approach, uh, less plastics if possible, particularly if kids are putting them in their mouths. Mm -hmm. um, and silicone is actually one of the safer, you know, we think of baby bottles and nipples. You want to think about silicone as being pretty reasonably safe. So um, made in America, silicone um, is often a better choice, I would say. Of course, nothing's foolproof. Um, but again, anything made overseas, we have much less uh, rigor in terms of understanding what's coming over uh, in those products. This is so helpful. I'm sure there are a lot of pregnant people and new parents that are getting overwhelmed by thinking, okay, I want the best for my body and my baby. What do I do? So you've really given some excellent places to start. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, if you can think of, you've given so much, but if you can think of one more tip or piece of advice that you want to leave with our listeners, we'll be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Is there anything jumping to the front of your mind? Yes. My okay. favorite topic. I know there's just so many topics that we talk about. I love talking about feminine care products because I like people to understand just, you know, how tampons and feminine care products are just laden with tons of chemicals and to really consider, uh, you know, those products being changed into organic USDA organic products because, uh, the just, you know, the chemicals, the fragrance, the perfumes, the antimicrobial chemicals, the plastics that are in the uh, fake cotton, so to speak. So thinking about intravaginal exposure is something that most people don't consider as a route into the body. But I'm going to sneak in another one of my uh, favorite topics really is drinking water. Mm. And particularly in pregnant women and in pre-pregnant women and in young children is that we really want to consider 
how clean our drinking water is because it's just so critical. Our bodies are made up 80% of, uh, you know, our bodies are essentially made up of water. So we want to make sure that's as clean as possible because, again, it, those contaminants can cross the placenta into a growing fetus, which is just such a vulnerable time for development. So um, I really want all women to consider um, during pregnancy and before and after, you know, filtering their drinking water in any which way they can. We give in a nice chapter, I think, soup to nuts on drinking water, why it's important, what are the ways that water gets contaminated with what and how those things work. Um, but in general, the punchline is going to be that in this country, we do not have great regulation in terms of drinking water contaminants. Um, only 91 chemicals are monitored uh, at all of our 160,000 uh, wastewater treatment plants, which serve the majority of Americans in this country. Um, and when we have 90,000 chemicals that can get into our water and only 91 are monitored, we have a real problem there. So is a filter um, I, enough? Yeah. Is a, like, I know our house has a filter and then I know at the, my yoga studio, we have a filter as well as a Brita filter. Is that enough? Well, I think it depends on the type of filter you're using and how aggressive and how much cost you want to put into it. Again, there are people that may feel that this is too much of a cost uh, to 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 make that leap. But I'll I'll give an example. You know, most of us know of pitchers. You know, like Brita or Zero Water or um, pitchers, or I should say, carbon filters that are also in refrigerator doors or on faucets um, on those contraptions. And those are carbon blocks. So that's uh, a type of filtering system that catches quite a bit of lead, quite a bit of contaminants, but not aggressive to the point where it can take out most of the chemicals. I would say a good amount, but not necessarily most of those chemicals. Um, and so that has to do with each individual product. People have to look them up and see what they're tested for and what they've been shown to block. Now, if you want to get more aggressive and what I recommend actually, um, because it is the most aggressive way to clean water that consumers have available to them in the U.S., is called a reverse osmosis water uh, filter or RO filter for short. Reverse osmosis is a process that takes a while to fill up a tank. It actually has three canisters under the sink. It's not very big anymore at all. And the water goes through each of those canisters very slowly and then fills into a tank that comes with it. And that tank is what you draw drinking water and cooking water off of. And a plumber can put these in for $150 for one hour of work. Really, it doesn't take all day. It shouldn't be take all day or else, you know, perhaps you've been taken. But the idea is they only cost about $250 to $300 now. A good vetted consumer reports rated perhaps um, certified reverse osmosis water filter that's made in the U.S., 100%. You don't want to have any parts overseas, um, you know, being used for that RO filter, and you have to figure that out with your the manufacturer you're interested in. But the idea that you can buy now a really aggressive water filter for $250 to $300, very basic RO, and you have $150 for a plumber for one hour of work and about $40 every maybe 10 to 12 months, depending on how often you use the filter, uh, to change it out. $40 to replace the uh, canisters, it really pays itself off in terms of any pallets of plastic water bottles um, very, you know, rather quickly. You know, it's just um, upfront costs. And that is what I recommend um, pretty much every household to have if they can, because it's really doesn't take up space. 
um, just under the sink and you're only using it for drinking and cooking um, so that, you know, water bills don't go up either. So, um, so that's where I stand with it. But of course, people have to decide what's right for them, their costs, their space, if they're moving, if they're, you know, renting, if they're, you know, college students, you know, these are all types of things you want to think about when it comes in investing a, uh, in a water filter. So healthy water, because yes, we want our breast or chest feeding pregnant or postpartum folks to definitely have healthy water. So thank you. That is a really great recommendation. So you've got amazing information. You have a new book. You've got a great website. Where can people find your work? Yeah. So, um, I, I landed everything on my website for the smart human. So it's the smart human.com. Um, it really holds the book, but really has all my podcasts, radio shows, a lot of blog posts, um, resources. Um, so really that's my landing page is the smarthuman.com. But I post regularly on Facebook three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on every topic you can think of, whether it's nutrition or mental health, uh, sustainability, changes in the market, changes in chemical world. Um, many times it's funny, many times it's shocking, uh, but that's where I post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well, The Smart Human. And of course, I practice in Princeton, New Jersey, so I, I see patients either in my office here in Princeton, New Jersey, or via telehealth. So um, that's another way people can reach me as well. And that website is just aleycohenmd.com, A-L-Y-Cohenmd.com. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. I really feel like our listeners can get a lot out of this. I got a lot out of this and I knew a lot of this already and I feel like I learned even more. So I really appreciate your time and effort. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me and I hope this empowers people. I don't want people to be uh, resistant or scared. It's about embracing the issues and really just moving forward in your own way. It's your own journey. Take your time. Uh, it's better to get it right than to do it fast and scary. Um, and so really, I hope this is a gift to people to really um, to help them prevent any health conditions moving forward in their lives. I think it is. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.